It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. I am Steve Cofield. Come on and do it with me. The tight shorts typhoon. I'm like a, a leaf blower. I'm like a wood chipper. I'm like a, a blender on puree. I need you. I am Steve Cofield. 351 pounds, allegedly. Even if he does look like Eric Gregg ate James Tony. Now I'm very angry. With Steve Cofield. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Well, we're on the road. Got to work the mic. Got to work the mic. Adam Candy is in today. It's Steve Cofield, Road Spot in Reno. Um, enjoying it so far, though. Battle for the Cannon going down tonight. Oh, boy. I'm fired up. I am fired up. Let's get right to it. It's Trending at 3. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Con- uh, Candy, right out of the gates, do you like Reno? I have no issues with the city of Reno. Here we go. Here we go. Against the grain, guys, on Cofield and Company. Oh, boy. Be careful. Be very careful. Be very careful. Um, This, for me, is a flashback. I'm actually at uh, their stadium in Reno, getting ready for UNLV in Reno tonight, 7 o'clock, 6.30 with the pregame with Caleb and Russ. Uh, I'm looking at the one end zone Candy, and you remember a couple of years ago, Tony Sanchez's final game, he, he won. Uh, they won in overtime, and then there was a, a cheap shot on one Kenny Noblad, and then a Donnybrook, a brouhaha, broke out. And it was scary, man. It was scary. Mm, chills. Chills going through me. I will tell you that I am ready. I am going to protect myself on our little video system. I actually have brought protective goggles, if you can see them. I will not take a coin to the eye. Um, If I am punched somewhere, I think these will help a little bit. So what else do I need to do, Candy, to protect myself? So my advice to you, actually, is you keep those glasses on. Keep looking like Chris Sabo. Um, (laughs) And now let me give a word of advice to everybody else in Reno. Aim below the face. Aim below the face. I don't think he's going to be wearing Kevlar. No. I'm pretty sure he's not wearing a cup. Uh, so I think Damn there it. are ways to get Steve Cofield. You're right. I forgot a cup. I told you, start bringing the cup on road trips. What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing, it was it was a crazy uh, event here a couple of years ago. The last time UNLV was up in Reno for the game. It was an embarrassing event for college football. Um, and every time I tell the story about wading into the end zone as I did to kind of see what was going on and get video, I just add to it. And the happenings just get more and more vicious. So uh, 10 years from now, I will talk about actually choking, like triangle choking a Reno player to get him under control uh, while punching other fans at the same time. So. Uh, Chris Alt had me in a figure four leg lock yes, at yes. the 20-yard line. <laughs> I was clearing space left and right all over the field. Now, the true story is when I got into the middle of the scrum or near it, uh, UNLV players were starting to go up 
you know, near the stands because you had all these drunk Reno fans. They're all drunk. Um, and, you know, they're throwing stuff. They actually hit Cassie from the RJ with some kind of full soda or something. They hit her in the head. Um, this, the What really happened was I'm in there and – I was like, man, you know what? I actually, I'm older than all these guys who were fighting. Maybe I need to kind of break things up. And then I looked to my right, and it was Julio Garcia, who is, you know, 6'3 and 335 pounds. And I almost grabbed him, and I'm like, he's going to punch me right in the face because he has no idea who's behind him. And at that moment, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to back out about 10 yards. I think I'm going to get away from the end zone here. And old guy's going to get himself in a safe space. Yeah, I would say in general, if your instinct is to grab a dude in a fight – you should pretty much say, I'm getting out of this fight. Because what happens after that is of no responsibility to the person who swings around and punches you. You get grabbed in a fight, you would now have license to turn around and swing. Yeah. And at a minimum, you got to look for the kicker. And you might, well, it's kind of dangerous on a kicker. I was going to say, go for a kicker, but you might want to Jeff Van Gundy him. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, go right down on the leg like uh, JVG did with Alonzo Morning. Uh, you know, down there, you can. But with a kicker, that might actually be the worst thing to do. No, no, you got to listen, you got to go for their power and take away their power because once you get the leg, they got nothing left. You know that. Like, there's nothing that kicker can do to you. Brandon Talton's got nothing on you, Steve Cofield. Daniel Gutierrez has nothing on you. Can I wonder? Well, I wouldn't go after Daniel Gutierrez, but I wonder if I grabbed the leg of Daniel Gutierrez, if he actually kicked, if he could kick me 20 yards at like 235 pounds. Ooh. I meant, Ooh. by the way, I meant my weight, not his. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I pretty safely assume the UNLV kicker doesn't weigh 235 pounds. But um, that being said, uh, I, I smell a little Cofield and Company challenge here. Oh, no. Where how far can we kick Steve Cofield? <laughs> and I think listeners should be able to get in on this. Yeah. I think for Festivus this year, instead of a call-in, it should just be how far can listeners kick Steve Cofield? Uh, Willie's the nice guy. I'm the second nice guy. I think you and Hill would be, the, and Ari, oh, Ari for sure, would be the candidates to be kicked. And then at that oh. point, we would have to get some branded Cofield and Company cups. Why not, right? Why I, yeah, not make I, some money off it? I actually think if you told Ari that this was a thing that was going to happen, Ari would be at Gold's Gym getting <laughs> getting all the drugs from A-Rod's cousin to load up and be like strong as could be and see if he could actually break a rib. So we've got uh, UNLV and Reno. The Rebels have had a tough season. They're still looking for their first win. This would be monumental. They're a 20-and-a-half point dog. So we'll break down the game a little bit later on with uh, one of the guys who uh, played for the Wolfpack and is a color voice on radio. That goes down at 7 o'clock. we got early hockey because of Nevada Day, and yes, it is Nevada Day. Uh, we've got VGK back in town against Anaheim. I just I got to go back because you and I are both uh, you know big fans of play by play. There were some massive plays in that game. There were some great calls in that game. Listen to the save late and how awesome this call was. Vegas fails to clear. Ben chips it down low. Sagan in front. Dropped it off. Big stop. Brossois the save. 25 seconds. Another shot. Didn't get through. Vegas controls. Oh my goodness! What a save by Lauren Brossois. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Lawless went freaking nuts. And then if you're listening to the game, and I was, I know most people are watching, but if you listen to the game over on 98.9 FM and 1340, you know how good Dan Duva is. Uh, is. Uh, here is the game-winning goal in overtime. Taken away to Donov alone in front. He shoots. He scores. Overtime winner. Evgeny Dodonov makes it a 3-2 Golden Knights win. 
all alone in front. And Dodonov is the hero in Dallas. That was big. That was big. Uh, especially with the way the season started. Um, you know, must-win games? Eh, maybe not exactly, but to get the uh, the season you know back on track, get some, some confidence, that was massive, Candy. If you have a backup goaltender come in and give you the performance that Lauren Brossois gave the Golden Knights in Dallas, you got to pay it off. And good on the Golden Knights. They get the empty netter. They get the overtime goal. I watched that entire game. The Stars outplayed them the whole game. The Stars had jump in the offensive zone right from the puck drop. And in the end, it doesn't matter because the Golden Knights came back and won that game. That's the kind of game we've seen from VGK over their first four seasons and hopefully give them a little confidence coming into today. A lot more on the Golden Knights game coming up in a little bit, but we turned to football last night's Thursday night football game. was awesome. We've got a bunch of NFL players on today. Up next, we're going to catch up with guys on both sides of the ball, both former players, Mark McMillan and the former Cardinal receiver, Frank Sanders. And right off the bat, we have to get into what happened last night with, I don't know what was going on, with A.J. Green, just his head was not in the game. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to Cofield & Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Back here on Cofield & Company on a Friday Really good spot coming up because last night's Cardinals game uh, with the Packers was fascinating. We got former Arizona Cardinal Frank Sanders, our buddy Mark McMillan. Hey. Take it away, Mark. What's going on, buddy? Oh, man, I'm just in the backyard just trying to figure out uh, where's A.J. Green at. You know, I know they had where's Waldo, but Frank, I, I, you're, you're a legend as a Cardinal. Um, you're right there in Arizona. I don't know if you t- attended the game, uh, but from a receiver standpoint, what could have been – going through his head at that particular time, knowing he's the single receiver on the backside of a trips formation. Honestly, I, I would I would like to think that the RPO offense had some factor in the way he was thinking about it because he looked like he was blocking more so than prepared for the pass. <laughs> um, I know that sounds crazy because it's, it's the only scenario that makes sense, which is you're the only receiver on the backside. You're, you're the only one manned up. He yeah. had, you have no minute. You have no more timeouts. You have to throw. They, they have to throw the ball, and he has to put it in a position where either you can catch it or you can't. Right. And I think Kyler did a good job of giving him a chance to body the de- defensive back up, but he didn't pay attention, and that's a brain fart. I don't understand why that happened. Um, I know, you know, it's just a tough way to lose, man. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's. They always, you know, it's a cliche thing, but it comes down to one play, right? Right. And everyone, everyone playing 60 minutes of football and giving yourself the opportunity to come back and win the ball game or kick a field goal, they did that. And unfortunately, yeah. A.J. Green's on the, on the back end of looking like, like a dummy, honestly. Just, 90, that's where I can say it. They went 99 yards. Yeah. It was 99 yards. It was third and like 15 or 18. Kyler mm-hmm. makes an amazing throw to A.J. Green across the middle. And right. you know, and I'm thinking like, okay, this is an opportunity to shine. Uh, you know, Hop is, is, is lingering with a hamstring injury. We brought a veteran receiver in for moments like this. In Everything you're saying. Situations, 
everything is set up for him. And I, I just can't – I know the run, the, the RPO offense and all that. Uh, Kyler played a heck of a game because Green Bay was coming at him all day. And for they him were. to keep, and like I say, he put the ball in a great spot. And me taking myself through a defensive back mindset, I'm always aware if I'm the backside of the trips formation, that ball is coming my way. And Absolutely. If, if it's Michael Irvin, if it's Jerry Rice, if it's Frank Sanders, I know if Frank is on the backside singled up going against me, Frank is in the huddle saying, give me the ball. <laughs> what what did you I, I I'm tri- I'm really trying to figure out what I don't, was look, AD, was he in Scottsdale was he at the was he at the at the club what what and Mark he just he just probably missed out on another 1000 number 18 shirts being sold jerseys Ooh, being sold and another, another another year contract with the Cardinals if he makes that play you're right um and it only proves that even without the hops we got to get we got another guy we can go to that's a veteran that we brought here with the intent to make big plays. He did that for the most part of the game, but just in that right. last minute, it just makes no sense for that to happen. Um, we he will be the blunt of many jokes for the next ten days until they put back on another uniform versus the Colts. And truthfully speaking, he deserves it. Um, of course, the Colts are going to come out and say a bunch of good stuff that says that you know this is what happened. He wasn't one play doesn't control no, the game. There was a no. lot of misplays. That, I that know, was, right? That's what right, that right. right. somebody in that locker room, an older dude, be like, right. "Hell no!" You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, no, nah, bro. Right. Like you, you tripping? Like, right? Somebody's got to right. like this, and, I, and maybe not throw your boy under the bus in the media, but in the locker room, that's where the veteran guys come in and be like. You know what I'm saying? If I made a bad play, Seth Joyner and and, and Wesk and, and B&E, those guys let me know, you sucking right now. <laughs> you know? The, the, oh, watch this here. The only thing I can draw that to, and y'all guys are going to trip on this, though, but it's really like um, J.R. JR Smith and underneath the basketball, underneath the goal, and all he has to do is catch the ball and make, make a great decision, right? I just like – Bro, that's a brain fart. Like every, there was a timeout, there was a huddle, there was an opportunity to know exactly yep. what to do on the backside. Don't be laughing. Don't be laughing, bro. He, he was like, the truth. I, I equated like, to like Ben Simmons. He was like Ben Simmons. You got a wide open layup, and he just handed. He said, like handed it off. Don't don't blame it on Ben. It's it's all on me. Put it on me. Don't blame it on Ben. Put it on me. Don't don't don't. It's not Ben's fault. It's my fault. Uh, he's gonna figure it out. It, it's just not his fault. Don't put it man, on Ben. Doc, Doc can go head on with that, man. Doc can go head on with that. I know King. I don't think King's <laughs> coach uh, Kingsbury is that kind of coach uh, to get after his players. Um, yeah. But I, I'm sure Kyler Murray had to have said something to him at that time because there's a lot on the line. Uh, playoff implications, you either want to go to Lambeau in January or you want to be in, in, in Arizona where it's nice and cool inside in January. And that that can be a, a very costly play. Uh, well, nobody nobody wants to bleed. Nobody wants to be in Lambeau Field in January. That sucks one thou out. <laughs> that is horrible. Unless you're a dude that just feels like you can – if we had a powerful running game, I wouldn't mind yeah. that. We don't have that. So that's the difference in that. You're absolutely right, Mark. The implications on that was definitely on the table. Um, the national media has been the conversation here in Arizona, which is said they have not given a 6-0 and team the spotlight they deserve or the kudos of a team they deserve. And truthfully speaking, uh, a 7-0 and team, excuse me. 
Right. Uh, but this was the moment to take 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 hold of your own destiny. And the Cardinals just did not do it. They gave themselves a chance. You're absolutely right. What Kyler Murray will do is probably side side eye him just a little <laughs> bit because he he don't have enough veteran leadership on time right. and tenure to trump you know uh, a nine year ten year twelve year uh, veteran such as AJ Green. Right. The question is always on the table: What did he do that um, that why what happened? And whatever his answer would be will have to be enough, and then the guys gonna have to move on. Right, and from a receiver standpoint, I know when you guys were playing, uh, Jake Plummer was your quarterback. And, you know, we played against each other, you know, a few times. And we knew going into the game, uh, you had Rob you had Rob Moore, who's like 6'4", 6'5". Uh, you know, you had yourself, you had Larry Sanders in the backfield. So you guys had weapons. And we're like, okay, at some point, if we hit Jake in the mouth, it's going to be a different ball game. And I know from witnessing, you know, him throwing bad balls, you guys getting on him. And, you know, as a veteran and, you know, Jake had the, the snake attitude, but, you know, I know you didn't hold your tongue back then. Frank is a different – Steve, Frank is a different <laughs> guy right now. Yeah. <laughs> the, different. He, he was a he, – he on the field, he was one of the uh, – he was what we call a dog. You knew when you played against Frank, he was going to smack you in the mouth. Uh, you know, he's going to talk trash. He's going to make the big-time catches. And I know – playing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, playing against Jake, uh, I know you guys personally, you know, let him have it during the games. I, I've witnessed it. And I was, you there, know. There are, there are times, man, you need to say something. The NFL presents this conversation that you're pro be a pro, right? Um, and that's that's all that's really asked of you because the players don't trust the coach unless you got a really, really great coach. They don't really trust the coach as much. What's important is that I trust Mark. That Mark comes to work, Mark gonna be ready for Sunday. Mark would have been ready for that play, just like he just basically explained to everyone else is that I'm the backside receiver on the three by one set. Without a doubt, I know for a fact as a veteran, these guys are gonna come my way. The ball's gotta come my way without a doubt. So that's what you expect. And that's exactly why this conversation really falls in the on the behalf of how bad AJ Green um just had a brain fart. And truthfully speaking, when you have those moments on the football field, you have to say something to a guy. I mean, yeah. that's the only way he can recognize that you actually, it's not that you don't care. I care, but I care about what was going on in your mindset at the time. And you need <laughs> to understand what the value, what it really meant in the overall scheme of things. Right. We fought hard to get back into a game that we was crapping on the entire first half. Right. Coaches was crapping on that game as well as the players. And I'm saying that respectfully saying, the play calling wasn't there. The game plan that Green Bay Packers came in with the play versus the Arizona Cardinals, they executed it without yeah. J.J. Watt, without the, uh, on our side without J.J. Watt, but on their side without Devontae Adams, without Lazard. They still came to play with a game plan, and they figured if we just keep a fast-scoring, 31-plus, averaging 31-plus football team off the field, then we give ourselves a better chance. And the entire game plan – Worked out. We looked. We looked slow. We looked lethargic. We looked like we did. We was. We was. We were taking the blow, not delivering the blow. And honestly, kudos to the Green Bay Packers for coming in and uh and on a short week, yeah, a flight, on a sh- short week and a flight. And these guys basically came out and punched the Arizona Cardinals in the mouth. I mean, they ran the ball effectively. The time mm-hmm. of possession 
it's definitely on their side. Statistically, every category fits them and what they wanted to do and how they wanted to prove that they can do it without Devontae Adams, without Lazard, and without their defensive coordinator because right. of COVID. And there was a situation. So to me, it's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals did to the Cleveland Browns when we went up there and played them. We didn't have Cliff Kingsbury. We didn't have an offensive coordinator. And that in itself says just mentally came ready to play and the Cardinals did not. And it came down to one play at the end of the game. I, of course, you wish you could have that back, but the best team won. And the guy literally, just watch this real quick. A DB actually caught a ball. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a he, DB he, actually caught a freaking hey, ball. That young, really mattered. Y'all hands, hands are bricks. A journeyman actually caught a ball. Back. And I was excited for the guy because he had number 29 on. He got the feet down and he calm waved down, the crowd. Calm down. Bye bye. Bye bye. I have to give it up today, young man, for his the concentration. And I agree. We can, even, we can all probably even just, you know, in hindsight now, why wasn't B Hop on the other side? Why wasn't he on the single receiver side? You know, B Hop's a hurt. He, he was hurt, man. I don't, you know, that's the part where. I'm still going with D-Hops were hurt, and the mindset would have been wherever D-Hops was, they was going to double because they were taking him away anyway in that window. But he was hurt. He he tried to he tried to really fight out a, a bad hamstring issue yeah. that he'd been dealing with all week. So, But it just goes back to A.J. having a chance of not making a play, man. Yeah, really. Well. Well, uh, a, uh, to AJ's credit, good thing he's in Arizona. You know, the the, the media prog uh, is not it's really small. big in Arizona. Small. He would have been it's in like small. New York or Philadelphia. Oh Boy. my goodness! He would he would see twenty one pictures of him through twenty one <laughs> different different editorial <clears throat> news magazines. Excuse me, guys, <clears throat> magazines, and he just would have been answering forty five to fifty different, you know. Uh, news beat writers, conversations and questions. And it is that is a benefit. You're absolutely right. Arizona some, media market is very small. Just some, some some barbecue sauce or some seasoning, some maybe he can hold on. Maybe he can catch that. Hey, if he, he anytime he you know what uh, grilling with me a million the, the sauce is so sticky and so delicious you gotta catch that. You can't you can't miss that moment man it's so delicious. Yeah. Put some, yeah, uh, put, I was gonna say put some put some barbecue sauce on his back it would have stuck right to it. Hey guys I have I have about two minutes left. We're talking to Frank Sanders, the former Arizona Cardinal, Mark McMillan, our buddy who played with the Eagles and Chiefs. And um, I, I want to ask you guys from this standpoint to close. Um, I was watching the game last night with a former college quarterback, and he was marveling at the way the Packers and Rodgers specifically run their offense. Frank, I want you to tell us what you see out there with Aaron Rodgers and all the movement and all the options and all the changes at the line. And then, Mark, I want you to talk about trying to defend against Aaron Rodgers. Go ahead, Frank. Aaron Rodgers is running the true West Coast offense. He's running a true Bill Walsh West Coast offense. The only difference is he's doing it from the perspective of discount double check. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, he's running it from the guy that's the discount double check guy, like I'm the champion of the world kind of guy. And it's it's really hard. Three, four, a three, um, the West Coast offense is a three to five step drop back. It, it's a with the intent of a triangle position, and I say that respectfully being that there's either going to be one, two, or three. And if the one receiver is not open, you go to the two. If the two receivers open out the window, then you immediately get out your hands and go to the three. And the, the three receiver, which is either going to be a running back or a tight end that's just kind of blocking and then turning around into the quarterback's hand. It's a play-action offense. Aaron Rodgers with his arm makes it look so much easier. 
a stupid stat out of this offense. Aaron Rodgers six and zero without having Devontae Adams at the helm. His QBR is better. His, his his stats are better without even having his number one receiver. He's literally hurting himself trying to hold the ball because he's Aaron Rodgers with the arm he has and the skills that he has that he could wait and not run the normal <laughs> one two three West Coast offense. So. Right. It is a it is a quick, fast play action. It's not necessarily to deceive you, but there are guys always in a position for the quarterback to have an out. When I was here with um, Mark Tressman and we had Jake Plummer, we tried to institute that because he was a former protege of Bill Walsh over at San Francisco. We that tried to implement that same thing. Well, it did not work because we our offensive you line. Have, you, didn't have, you didn't have uh, you didn't have you didn't have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> we, we didn't I'll have Aaron Rodgers. We didn't have Steve Young. Jake's we my guy. Have, Jake's my guy. But I'll call him out. Y'all didn't have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no. Hey, look, we didn't have him, and that's that's absolutely correct. But our offensive line couldn't pick up. They couldn't hold a block that fast. Look at Aaron Rodgers and how much time he had. Yeah. Look, there are certain things about a West Coast offense you got to have. You got to have guards and tackles that can move. And that that can be pretty fast and nimble with the counter. On the backside of that, you got to have guys that can get get into their lanes pretty fast, and mm-hmm. a quarterback that that just can simply read the defense. And Aaron Rodgers makes it look easy. They can do it without the weapons. He could be exactly like Tom Brady, have average receivers, and just dominate the NFL because the system once it's in place with his arm, he makes it look really easy. Guys, before we close, I got to ask you. What's going to happen, Auburn, Alabama, this year? What do you mean? What's going to happen? What do you mean? How do you what ask that question? What's going How do you ask that question? Don't insult Mark guns. like that. This is his show. Don't, don't put Mark under the gun like that. Don't you even know, do I that to him. Roll up a Mark, little bit. I, I know, man. Calm, calm down. Right. Eat, drink some sauce. Relax. <laughs> we already know what's gonna happen. Oh, we got some Auburn's, sauce, baby. We got some Auburn's sauce. gonna spank that. Look, I'm gonna. Auburn's gonna spank that grill and McMillan all across y'all this year. You know, excuse I, me, sir. I, I apologize for that. the kids as well. Correct. You sound like Charles Barkley right now with all these guarantees. And he ain't been right yet. Auburn, Chuck ain't been I, right yet. I guarantee Auburn will whoop that butt this year. <laughs> we gotta put something on that. We gonna put it's a rivalry game. I know it's always gonna be uh you know going back and forth. It's a it's a great battle, one of the best rivalries in college football. But man, uh I'll send you a uh year supply of baby wipes. Uh, ah. <laughs> because all the pooping you're gonna be doing on yourself, watching my boy oh roll up and down the field. I'm not gonna see you toilet paper. I'm gonna send you baby wipes so you're Let nice. You and clean Thank you for sending me the baby wipes. Because if you send me <laughs> Tisha, all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna roll every little palm tree and and Bogavilla <laughs> tree we have here in Arizona with after that win. Because you know we roll tissue better than anybody else in the planet after we spank that roll ties butt. You you're know right. so we roll tissue well. You're probably right, but it's going to be a great game, uh, you know, both sides yeah. of the ball. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the rivalry. It's it's fun. It's exciting. Um, but let, at, let the me, day, at the end of the day, it's Bama against everybody else. And Georgia. Georgia's I, really tough, too. I just I – just, I'm going to finish with this, sir. Um, Bama is not the Bama that they look like the last seven years. Your quarterback situation is definitely questionable. But Auburn right now is not what we thought we would be at the same way. We got a new coach trying to figure it out. The guys are trying to figure out how to be to be a team. When you get a new coach, you got to figure out how to be a team. But you're absolutely right, Mark. I am not going to crap on Bama. It's hard to beat those guys. They got athletes out, out the yin-yang. And it's going to be a tall, tall task 
for us to show up to play Alabama. I don't care if it's at Auburn, in the playground, if it's in Mark's <laughs> backyard in the sand pit, it don't matter. Look, it's a tough, it's a tall task, and you know it's going to be a great game. But in, in, truthfully, my 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 Charles Barker guarantee is like the Philadelphia Eagles are going, the Philadelphia. 76 is going to win the championship this year. Oh, well, we did. Uh, guarantee. Hey, they know that ain't happening in Philadelphia. They know that ain't happening in Philadelphia, man. So you know I'm going to make sure I text my boy Chuck when we get off the phone. I gave him a all. I gave him an Alabama uh, golf shirt about a, about a month ago when I saw him in Philly, and you already know his his reply. He wasn't politically correct <laughs> either. He said, no way am I wearing this <laughs> Right. <laughs> Don't send me one because I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do with it. It's gonna be at the bottom of my toilet toilet bowl. I know that. <laughs> uh, Frank Sanders, Mark McMillan, we appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. That was a great spot. I appreciate, appreciate you, Frank. you, brother. Same here, man. Y'all go have a good one, brother. Thanks for inviting me to the show. All right, you're welcome. More of Cofield and Company is on the way live in the Finley Toyota Studios. You know, I adjusted my perspective last year and did some things off the field that put me in a good headspace. And I've just been really enjoying life and football in a whole new level. And I just have a greater appreciation for moments like this, a greater uh, connectedness to my teammates. Um, I told them in the locker room after the game just to savor these moments. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Aaron Rodgers on the way back, Cofield. On the road in Reno, Adam Candy's in Vegas. Ari's in our Finley Toyota Studios. When you hear Aaron Rodgers like that, Candy, do you think, boy, that's really cool, that's really good insight, or do you think, boy, he's arrogant? I think Aaron Rodgers, to some degree, has always come across as arrogant, but I also think it is cool because, you know, look, the guy's in his late 30s and has gone through a lot of his life not only driving himself to be a football competitor, but his family situation has been well documented in terms of some of the issues there. And he's saying he's gotten himself into a better headspace to enjoy whatever's left of his career and whatever comes after uh, in terms of jeopardy or family or anything else that he wants to do. So, But the arrogance? I mean, the arrogance has always been built in. Frankly, I don't want a quarterback who isn't arrogant. you got to believe that you're the best to be able to do that job. Yeah, when I hear him speak like that, I, I actually think it's cool. And I think there's a real study to be done on people who are high achievers and when they feel dialed in. And he's always been a guy, when you watch him, he's he looks like the calmest guy in the most frenzied situation. And to me, that's what it was last night. And I think they got a little too tricky when they were trying to score the touchdown at the end and you know put the game out of reach. But it's just part of the whole Rodgers feel on the field. Like, he just he looks so calm as compared to everyone else. He does. And there aren't a lot of quarterbacks who have been wildly successful, I think, beyond the Favs of the world where you look and say, yeah, they're, they seem kind of frantic, right? Like, Favre was always playing with that sort of manic energy. Rivers uh, played like that. But really, I mean, if you go back over – time you look at the Joe Montana's of the world like you know Joe Montana always looked pretty damn cool while he was getting things done right like uh, Tom Brady has been a little fired up on the sidelines but in general Tom Brady just looks like a, a guy living his best life out there on the field all right so tell us what's going on with one of the big stories of uh this week in the National Football League and that is the massive line movement 
in the Vikings-Cowboys game. All right, so keep this in mind. All of these swings have been between the threes, which means that it's not the worst of the worst in terms of meaning a whole lot. But game opens pick, quickly moves up to Dallas two and a half, comes back to Dallas one, one and a half, and settles into that range for a while. And then we get the first injury report on Wednesday that shows that Dak Prescott might not be available for the Cowboys. And um, apparently not a lot of Cooper Rush fans out there because this quickly <laughs> swung back the other way to – uh, Minnesota laying two and a half, and now with Dak being limited again on Friday, and there's still not being any clarity as to whether he's going to play, it's gotten out to three. Cofield, I will tell you this much. I need this game to land somewhere within eight points because I have both sides of the teaser here. I've got the Vikings plus eight and a half, and I now have the Cowboys plus eight and a half. So just be a normal Vikings game and land within one score. <laughs> be a normal Vikings game. Man. So the decision for the Cowboys, what do we think is really going on here? Because, I mean, they're openly talking about short-term versus long-term. I mean, clearly this is not just a your, your run-of-the-mill calf strain. Dak Prescott said earlier this week that if it were the playoffs, he would be playing. And generally in sports, when you hear that, it's a guy telling you he's not playing this week. And it's a guy telling you that he and his team think it's wiser for him not to. Dak was kind of trying to blame it a little bit on the team and saying it's out of my hands, but I think that's the competitor in any player who wants to say, well, I would go, but the team won't let me. Um, Not that it's disingenuous, just that they don't want to blame it on themselves. And so if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you play in the NFC East and you know that you have absolutely no competition, the other three teams in the NFC East are dead and done for. Why would you push it right now with Dak Prescott? Why? There's no point. You don't have to worry about seeing Minnesota in the wild card standings. You're going to win the NFC East. You're going to be the number four seed at worst in the playoffs. So I see absolutely no reason for the Cowboys to push him right now. Okay. Don't push Dak Prescott, but still try to win games. Why is Cooper Rush the guy when it appears there could be some decent quarterbacks available for trade before next week? who would give you a better chance as the backup, like I would look to the south. If the Texans don't trade Tyrod Taylor before November 2nd, I don't get at all what they're doing unless, you know, as Adam Hill was saying the other day, and Adam's uh, quite the source on Tyrod Taylor, he was talking about his ment- his mentoring skills. Uh, that said, if Dallas could go to Houston and trade, you know, a conditional sixth, wouldn't you get someone like Tyrod Taylor on the roster rather than just potentially POA games by having Cooper Rush out there? You know, I get where most teams are coming from with having an inexpensive backup because the way that salaries have been structured in the league for a while here, it does not incentivize teams to keep two expensive quarterbacks on the roster. If you're paying Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, $45 million, you've made your investment at that position. But let's talk about where the Cowboys are right now then. Do you want someone like Tyrod Taylor? Do you want to go to Philadelphia and see what they think about Gardner Minshew like do you just want some insurance right at the cost of you know a low round draft pick only the Cowboys know how bad this injury is for Dak Prescott but I think you're better off if you're the Cowboys I don't think you need to go make a trade I think just be slow here with Dak just take your time with Dak if he misses two weeks then he misses two weeks it doesn't really matter because the NFC East is garbage and you're gonna win no matter who plays Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
Devin's the running back. Now rolling to his right is Nash. The pass is batted away incomplete. And the Rebels will take over on down. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Cofield and Company on the road. Big game tonight in Reno, Nevada on tap. Nevada day here around the state. We'll see if the Rebels can do it. Trying to get their first win. Tough spot. Nearly a three-touchdown dog. Mike Edwards played for the pack, played offensive line, was a two-time all-conference player. He's on the broadcast for the pack. He's up with Cofield and company. How are you, sir? I'm great, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm fired up. I expect a, a frenzied environment tonight. I was just reading, and I followed it all week, that uh, the sellout is quickly approaching. Uh, less than 1,700 tickets available. The final tickets are selling for 20 bucks a piece. My Lord, this is going to be crazy. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't sold out a stadium since, uh, I think, 2015. Um, and before that, the max was back when I played. And, again, yeah, you can age me if you want. But uh, 1995, 33,000. Uh, we should be up towards that 30,000 30, area tonight. It's going to be awesome. What does this rivalry mean to northern Nevada? Um, because we know that uh, there have been some seasons recently with UNLV where winning the Cannon has been the only thing that has made the season look halfway decent, uh, whereas, you know, there have been some uh, some loftier goals for the pack here over the last decade. Oh, yeah. Um, we're talking about the, the Cannon. I don't, I don't care, you know, out in the community, if, if you don't come watch a game all year long, it's like, the, <laughs> you know, when the Rebels come into town, they're lining up. You know, if, if you can't get a ticket, which is hard to come by, I think we're officially sold out by ticket-wise. Um, you're, you're finding your, your, your buddy's house. You're finding it on TV. You're listening to it, hopefully, on the radio. Um, and and it, it's all that in a bag of chips. Um, I remember, what was it, Naya, Jay Norvell's first year, we didn't win that many games, and, and we beat UNLV, and that's it. We're okay. You know, it, it's one of those things where, if this is a W in the win column, no matter what your season is, it's like the almighty. It is it. The community loves it. Everyone loves it. And you can just put a, a feather in your cap for that one. What are your own memories of playing against UNLV? Oh, okay, so um, I played <laughs> not Man, so I would say in our rivalry, I was there for like the hot and heavy stuff. Um, in 93, uh, when Horton had the job, uh, and then left, um, that was called, uh, the red defect, obviously. Um, and then, um, we played you guys in 94 and you, you beat us 27, uh, 32. And then we came back and you guys came up here. And I remember in the locker room coach all going like, yeah, we're not going to let up on these guys after what happened the last couple of years. And uh, we kept throwing the ball. And we uh, 55 to 32. And that's when uh, the next year, or that year, that's when uh, Quincy Sanders and the, the big brawl, although I don't like to see that on the football field or any competition, that was, that was a big brawl. And then, you know, we obviously last time uh, on the field, uh, we had a little scuffle as well. So. Um, it, it brought back some memories last time you guys were up here. Um, back in the day when I played, again, I only lost uh, 
uh, to the Rebels one time, and that was at 94. And uh, it was just, uh, it's always just a battle. It's always just an absolute battle. It doesn't matter about win or losses coming into this thing. It's just an outright, legitimately Fremont Cannon war. <laughs> so 20 and a half point spread tonight, uh, and the, the pack being favored in this game. It's pretty much sat there all week. And what was it like last week? Because it felt in the fourth quarter like it was just a faded thing that Nevada was going to come back in that game and catch Fresno State and win that game. And this great season would, you know, just roll on the way that it's been rolling on. And then, you know, you kind of hit a thud there with a two-point conversion. How has this team sort of rebounded and regrouped this week? College football at its finest, right? I mean, the last uh, eight weeks have been, uh, you can pick a game, there's always going to be an upset, there's always going to be some some turmoil, whether it be, you know, someone uh, slipping or you have reps or whatever happens, it's college football, right? Um, this team, and I think the way it's presented, and I, you know, in most teams in a rivalry, it's like, yes, it's a rivalry, but it's still a football week. And so I know Jay Norvell is awesome with his guys, Um they turn the page pretty darn quickly. They they make sure everything's the same, even though it's a shorter week this week. Um, they alter a little bit, squeeze some practices together, timing wise. Um, I talked to some of the coaches, and they're like, it, "It's we don't consider it a rivalry week because we can't." You know, it's one of those things where mentally, if we do that, it, it gets too emotional. Now that's position by position, but overall. Uh, I know Jay Norvell has, has got him dialed in, uh, focused. Um, obviously, as I well as you guys well know, probably down in, in in the Rebel world, they have you know speakers come in and and, and talk to, to make sure everyone knows that that they're on point and ready for the game. And that's what Jay Norvell does uh, such a great job at is, is is getting guys motivated to do more than they think they can do. So. Uh, that's the rebound after a tough loss against Fresno State from last week. Mike Edwards played for the pack. We're getting ready for Nevada and UNLV tonight. Uh, I'm stationed here uh, at Mackey Stadium. Um, let's talk about – I'll just – I'll to you. For you, what, what is the difference between the programs in terms of one consistently winning and the other one struggling? Oh, gosh, that's a heavy question. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, I, I think – and obviously I'm biased because they know playing and uh, for the pack and whatnot. Um, a lot of times, and I have a lot of friends that went down and, and went to college at UNLV is, um, and, they, and they're very, very proud. And obviously this week I've got many, 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 many texts and emails, <laughs> uh, pictures, um, some undescribable. Um, but the winning tradition, I think, goes back to – Coach All, um, he is he has put his roots down here. Um, he's he's made sure the community still knows whoever is in the driver's seat on the football team um, is is in it to win it. Um, they 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 push they push for that. Coach All still goes to practice with Jay Norvell, and Jay Norvell has it. I mean he he is he is bleeding blue. He uh, he he puts the pedal to the metal on all of his coaches. And, and, and teammates and does it the right way in, in respect to both uh, work ethic and just mental uh, toughness. And uh, th- through that, they, they do a great job of, of recruiting and, and uh, great practice plans. 
And, you know, just like every coaching staff in, in the nation, they, they, just, they just work extra hard. So uh, I think that might be the difference between a, a few wins and losses and championships versus none. So I love this rivalry. I've been in Vegas for 26 years. I've, you know, it's, it's grown on me, but I didn't go to either school. Um, so I, I think I can look at this pretty objectively. And I do sidelines for UNLV, so I want to see the Rebels do well. Uh, and this is no insult to the roster that UNLV has right now, but I look at the pack roster, and there's three guys for me that that separate right now. Why you know why there's a gap between the programs, and I think a lot of it comes down to players, and a lot of it comes down to talent evaluation and reading things correctly when prospects are coming out of high school. I look at Romeo Dubs, Carson Strong, and your sophomore left tackle Jacob Gardner, and I look back on who recruited them, who was in on them and what they've turned out to be. And in all three cases, I believe they were all under-recruited. Uh, the, the, you know, the coaching staff nailed the potential of those guys. And look at what all three are turning out to be. Uh, you hit it right on the, the, the head right there. Um, uh, the Wolfpack has been known to, to really like fine-tune their recruiting to pick up guys that others um, don't recruit very often. Obviously, Carson Strong had – Zero, zero division uh, any scholarship offers none. Of course, he didn't play his senior year, but I mean, sometimes in this great state of ours, you got to gamble, right? And so, mm-hmm. uh, Carson Strong, you know, only only D one um, scholarship out there, and I got to put more people on the list. Our defensive line, are I think we only have three out of JUCO slash high school scholarships. Everyone else on that D-line is walk-on. And so you have guys like Zach Mahana, who's a local boy, uh, Sam Hammond, a local boy, um, uh, you know, a, a couple of those guys that have basically are preferred walk-ons, and the, we call it the Nevada way, just bust their tail. Some of them urge scholarships. Some of them are still on walk-on. Um, but they have, they've come through, through, and through uh, for us in a lot of our wins this year. Um, and going back to Jacob Gardner, uh, uh, shoot, he's a sleeper. And I'm, a, I'm a, what we call a union guy, an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fun to watch last year. The freshman only gave up, I think, like 1.5 sacks. And to, to, to play teams that we played last year and, and defensive linemen going against, I mean, that's, that's pretty stellar, especially protecting Carson Strong's backside. Um, with our receiving core, I mean, I mean Romeo Dubs, uh, if you were to, meet, were to meet him, you would think that he is, I mean, he's, he looks athletic, but he is the silent stalker. He's, I mean, he's not very emotional. He's just uh, kind of stoic, uh, great kid to talk to, um, but he works his tail off. He is just a sniper when it comes down to work ethic. So, uh, yeah, I think you hit it nail uh, right there and, and, and find those guys um, that others aren't willing to maybe put the effort into uh, and find those, those, those sleepers and get those guys on the roster. Uh, Mike Edwards with us, color voice for uh, Wolfpack football as you and all he's getting ready to take on Nevada. Viewing it from a distance, can you get a read on Marcus Arroyo? Oh gosh, um, I, I'm a, I'm a person that uh, I like to look at the guys that are actually you know playing and and, and whatnot. It, it's always tough to come to an atmosphere like he has. You know, you have this Allegiant Stadium, which is just absolutely. I mean, glorious to be in, and you, you have all the, the hype of Vegas, and sometimes it's tough to find those those guys that want to come and play 
um, some good football, um, and, and getting into a having or getting a a, um, a team that has a, a losing record and trying to turn that puppy around, it, it takes some time, and yeah, I, I, that's way more work than I could ever imagine it would be is, is trying to, you know, kind of do what Nevada has done in, in the last 30 years is finding those unsung heroes to play. And, and these days, I mean, everyone's, there's not a whole lot of unsung stuff. Everyone's, you know, putting that on the Twitter and social media and look at me, look at me, but the time it's kind of hard to find that character. And so sometimes you got to find your, your niche and, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at film and, and, and watching some of the players, I mean, he's, he, he's got a – I mean, you're right now you're starting a, a quarterback who is – got a couple freshmen, right? you got Friel and you got uh, Broomfield if, if he's, if he's um, healthy. I mean, those guys are freshmen. So that also takes some time. So he's, like, doubled up with um, effort and, and time to get those guys and get that team going. Uh, last one. Well, actually, two more. Uh, first of all, give me a pick on the game. Oh, I love numbers. I'm a science guy. I'm a science teacher. Uh, and I, in a rivalry game, it's so difficult to, to, to pick. I mean, you throw out, the, you know, the usual. You throw out the playbook. You throw out, you know, numbers on these guys. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some trick plays. I'm sure there's going to be some things where he just doesn't fit the, uh, the consistency of, of, of play calling. Um, since it's a, since it's a, uh, a big crowd. You're going to make me pick, do a number. Why not? We're, 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 in, the, oh, we're in the state of Nevada. We gamble. We make picks. I, I don't, man. I'm a teacher. There's a, there's some money. got to save. <laughs> you call uh, the, you call the games for the pack. Oh, I know. I don't, Oh man. I don't want to jinx anything. I, I just okay. think that we All as right. a Nevada come away with the dub. Um, uh, I, I don't do the coverage of the, of the points. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty close because, again, it's a rivalry game. All right, we'll tweet that out, that uh, Mike Edwards says close game. And then and you'll get blowback on that. <laughs> By the way, uh, in science class today, did you teach anything, or was it just like, hey, kids, we're going to watch a video all day? Oh, no, I'm not that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grinder. I, uh, <laughs> I actually got the, I got an athletic director job, so I'm not oh, a, okay. in the science world anymore, but I – I do a little clips here and there. Uh, you know, in these wor- in this world, you got to have those kids that are uh, watching videos, watch actual education videos. So I throw, I usually throw in a two or five minute video to supplement the uh, the awesome lectures that we always have. <laughs> nice. All right, we'll see you out here at the stadium in a little bit. Okay, thanks. Look forward to the fall day. Happy Nevada Day. Observe. There he, there he is. Mike Edwards uh, is on the call. Uh, he's the color voice of Nevada football. Uh, Reno taking on UNLV. We've got another hour on the way. Stick with us. Cofield and Company live in Vegas and uh, in the north. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.